Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Amen. That's Psalm 40 from the New Living Translation. Uh, we've been walking through the Psalms together in the month of August, uh, starting with Psalm 14, week one, Psalm 23, last week. Also affectionately known as Coolio's favorite song. If you know, you know. Uh, Psalm 40 this week. You know, I grew up in a church that wrote a lot of its own music. A lot of the, the music we sang on Sunday morning was written by the people of our church. Part of the reason for that was because my church was made up of a, a bunch of people that got saved in this movement in the 60s and 70s that were unchurched. And they began to gather together. And they began to put to words what God was doing in the middle of them. They didn't have a past tradition to lean on or to to draw from. They weren't familiar with hymn books or anything like that. And so they just looked at Scripture, looked at what God was doing, and wrote these songs. So it was pretty cool, actually. Uh, I can remember my dad was a musician, some of the songs that he wrote. And some of them he took directly from the Psalms. I'm sure that the arrangement was a little bit different than uh, the Near Eastern arrangement of the music of Psalms. But that's what Psalms are. Psalms are the songbook of Scripture. Now, years later, um, some of these folks in my church started discovering some of the Christian traditions. And they they began to, to draw from some of the old hymns that were written. I remember one of the very first times in my church we sang an old hymn. It was called, Be Thou My Vision an old Scottish hymn that was written in the 1500s. And I was a young man at the time. I thought, hymns? Come on. These things are old. They feel old. How do you play drums to hymns? You know, that, those are the questions I would ask. And this, this, was, this transformation in my church was happening kind of in the mid-90s. And I was in high school at the time. And, and I would say 94, 95 was kind of like the golden era of hip-hop. And so my church is kind of rediscovering these old ancient hymns, and I'm into hip-hop, and I'm like, this, these things just don't work together. There's no beat. There's no rhythm. But now that I'm older, uh, I actually have found that, that hymns and hip-hop have a lot more in common than people realize. Where pop music tends to kind of to, to have a simplistic lyrics with a hook or a chorus that repeats itself over and over and over again until you can't get it out of your mind, Hymns and hip-hop tend to tell a story, a narrative, and they don't care how many verses they need to do, and they're not going to repeat themselves too much, maybe a little hook. But there's a similar style of writing from ancient hymns to modern hip-hop. Again, more concerned about getting a story or a message out. If you don't believe me, let's look at a couple of, of hymns that you might know. Amazing Grace, right? Many people know that, that song. Typically, we sing... Two or three verses of Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, the original version of it, had seven verses. Again, what is it doing? It's telling a story. In this case, the author of Amazing Grace is drawing on his own salvation experience from slave trader to repentant abolitionist. Amazing Grace holds an amazing story. Some of you know the, the hymn, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. You know how many verses that has in the original version? 18. 
How many of y'all ever sang 18 verse? No, none of you. So hymns traditionally tell these long-form stories, and hip-hop does the same thing. Kendrick Lamar's Mortal Man is 12 minutes long. The very first hip-hop song I discovered in the 80s, Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang. The original version of that song, just under 15 minutes. Psalms, as we just read Psalm 40, we heard it read over us, are the original songbook of Scripture. They include long songs, long songs, like Psalm 119, which if you were just to read that out loud would take you probably about 18 minutes to read. But they also include short ones like Psalm 117, just a couple of verses. So no matter how long they all are, they were all written to express something real. You won't find fake feelings in the Psalms. You won't find a type of Christianity that says, just put on a happy face. What you will find is you will find the depths of the human experience. Do you know what the saddest psalm is in Scripture? Psalm 88. Psalm 88 expresses this this torment that the psalmist is experiencing in their life. And where so many psalms tend to end on a good note, Psalm 88 ends like this, speaking to God. You have taken me from my friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. That's how the song ends. Just a minute ago, you heard our psalm for today, Psalm 40. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if this is the first time you've opened up your Bible in a while, go ahead and open it now to Psalm 40. You can literally almost just lay your Bible flat and you'll find it. It's right in the middle. Psalm chapter 40, that's where we are today. Tim, do we have those slides? No slides, no worries. So we just heard this read over us by a, uh, one of my favorite audio Bibles called Streetlights Bible. And let me just give you a brief overview of Psalm 40. If I was to encapsulate Psalm 40, it goes like this. There's a rhythm to it. God, I need help. Oh, you did it. Oh, God, I messed up again. Hey, everybody, look. Look what God did to help me. Lord. Everyone is against me. Oh, thank you again for your saving help. Hey, God, I need you again. Please hurry. Life is like this, isn't it? It's ups and downs. It's joys and pains. It's heartache and celebration. None of us want to live in dark times, but often we find ourselves there. My phrase, if you've asked me recently, how has your summer been? How, how are you doing? I've been saying up and down. Life for me has kind of felt like the stock market. I think it's trending up, but some days it's not. Lost my father, lost a friend, lost another family member. This last week we found out we lost another one close to us. It's been up and down. But in the middle of that, what? There's, there's good things happening. There's joys and pains. Life is like this. And many times, life 
feels like the psalmist starts Psalm 40 like in a pit. We find ourselves often in a pit because we have journeyed somewhere without God. For some people, that journey is a lifetime. A lifetime of no desire to seek God, let alone seek his will. And oftentimes, this life journey ends in emptiness, far from God. Having thought that each season of life would bring some sort of fulfillment, the last season of life with death staring us in the face, we realize it's still empty. A whole life journey apart from God, only to finally realize that nothing that we could do would fulfill us. For other times, sometimes the dark times that we find ourselves in, they're part of just a journey of maturity. We know God. We want to to know God. We want God in our life in some way. But there are times in our life where we say, I got this, God. I remember when I first started driving, and I was thinking about this the other day because my oldest just started driving. And my dad walked me through the car. Here's where the oil is. Here's how you know if you have a flat tire. Here's what you do with this and this and this. And I was like, Dad, I don't care. I didn't say this to him. Just give me the keys. I remember a couple weeks later, I was driving home, and the car just stopped, just rolled. I managed to get it to the sidewalk, and I freaked out. What did Dad tell me I needed to do in a moment like this? I had no idea. So I had to walk all the way home. I got home. My dad was sitting on the couch. This is, I'm old now pre-cell phones. I would have called him if I had. And I was humiliated. I walked in the door and I said, Dad, the car's, the car's busted. It's not working. And he goes, did you run out of gas? <laughs> and I wanted to say, no, I checked the gas gauge, but I hadn't. And I said, um, I don't know, Dad. So he said, let's go find out. And sure enough, I just ran out of gas. But sometimes life is like that, too. We find ourselves, as the psalmist says, in a pit of our own doing, where we just said, hey, I got this, God. And then we realize, oh, I don't got this. I need you. I need you badly. And so this is what the psalmist reminds us of, whether a lifelong journey or a journey of maturity, they often lead us to the same place, a place of perspective, a place where we say, I am not that powerful, and I need someone who is to help me. And so Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turns to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. Because this is a song, you don't read the Psalms the same way you read the Gospels. Because this is a song, the imagery of a pit here is designed to express what many of us have felt. Alone, stuck, powerless, and helpless. We get a picture from the rest of the psalm what this pit might be caused by. What this pit might represent. Later on in Psalm 11, The psalmist says, do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. Here's the issue. 
My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more, what? The sins are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. In other words, this pit that I'm in is because of me. I've done this to myself. My own sins are so many. I've done this to myself. Notice what the psalmist doesn't do. He doesn't blame God. He takes responsibility for himself. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people blame God for their own choices. Man. God did this. If God really loved me, this is a sign of immaturity. It's a sign of disconnect. You know, immaturity would be I drive up to the gas station and there's a green handle and a black handle. You know what the green handle is, right? Diesel. I put diesel in my car and I drive away and I get angry at the gas station for me putting diesel in my car. How immature can you be? Not taking responsibility for your own actions. We do this all of the time in our life. God has this design. We say, nah, I'm going to do it my way. And then things fall apart and we go, God, what's up? I thought you loved me. And then there's this disconnect where God is far away. Yes, scriptures say he's like a father, but my father is far away. My father was not present. I never knew my father. And so we have a disconnect between God because we think that God is like our earthly father. And so we blame him. But the psalmist doesn't do this. The psalmist owns the truth. I put myself in this pit. God, will you help me? So sometimes we find ourselves in these pits because of our own sinful choices. But... But not everything is your fault. Not everything is your fault. Sometimes the pit of despair that you find yourself in is because other people have done things to you. Sin has been caused, has been aimed in your direction. And so 14 says, May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned to disgrace back in disgrace, may those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. Sometimes the things you're experiencing are being done to you. Now, the idea of someone actually wanting to take your life, for many of us, hopefully, that's not very relatable. But almost all of us at one time or another will have people that cause us harm in some way. Physically, emotionally, relationally. It's dangerous for me to even say this because I know what it can bring up for so many of us, even while you sit there. Whether it's abuse or broken marriages or war or any other evil behavior, sometimes we're in a pit because we were thrown there against our will. And so Psalm 40 is a song that captures the weight, the weight of both our own sin 
and the sins of others against us. We feel buried, overwhelmed, hopeless, like we're just slogging through life. But through it all, there is an awareness that we aren't alone, that regardless of our life's situation, there is a God who cares. And that's what Psalm 40 reminds us, that we can cry out to this God. And so I want to ask you this question this morning. The question I want to ask you is, what song are you singing? What song are you singing? There are a lot of songs that we sing in our lives. There are songs that our culture sings over us that we take in as our song. Again, I mentioned that. I grew up on hip-hop. There's a song by a hip-hop artist named Nas called I Can. And the hook says this, I know I can be what I want to be. If I work hard at it, I'll be where I want to be. I know I can be what I want to be. If I work hard at it, I'll be where I want to be. This is a, a classically American kind of song. And in many ways, it's true, isn't it? Generally, if you work hard, good things will happen. And if you don't, bad things will happen. You don't show up to your work, you're going to get fired, right? You work hard, you'll get recognized. Generally, this is true, right? So this is a song that I love that was sung over me that I made my own song. But this type of song can also be dangerously misleading, while working hard may allow you to attain a level of wealth or comfort, ah, look at the stuff I have. When our own hard work becomes the focus of our life, it will simply become a platinum path to emptiness. At the end of the day, was all the stuff what fulfilled you? Was the certain level in your bank account what gave you inner joy and contentment. Part of the problem is that where we think we want to be, what we think we can attain through our hard work is dangerously superficial. It's here one minute, it's gone the next. We as adults can be like a young kid who imagines heaven to look like endless candy and video games. Fun is not the same thing as fulfilled. From the beginning, the Bible gives us a picture of life that includes meaningful work. It's part of how God designed us. But it's specifically rooted in wholeness. That's the life God had intended for us. Wholeness of relationship with God and with each other. And God has a, has a designed for that. This is what wholeness looks like. And so it is out of that wholeness that we can truly enjoy all the other stuff. Enjoy those can that candy and those video games. Enjoy that car and that house. Whatever it is, you can enjoy that. But that is not what your life is rooted in. It's rooted in wholeness. Now, I know I lost some of you when I quoted Nas. So let me share some lyrics from another American poet. Frank Sinatra, <laughs> a little before my time, so I had to do a little research on this one. Frank Sinatra, 
127 of his songs made the top 20. 70 of them made the top 10 of the Billboard charts. And 10 of his songs reached number one. So maybe it wasn't your generation, but he was crazy influential. The songs he sang over America influenced that generation. Any of you Sinatra fans know his top song of all time? Yes, some people said it. My way. My way. I'm just going to read you the last verse of Frank Sinatra's song, My Way. For what is a man, what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. Not to say the things that he truly feels and not the words of someone who kneels. Let the record shows I took all the blows and I did it my way. It's pretty gangster. <laughs> that could be a hip-hop song. My way represents this kind of quintessential American outlook that nothing in life matters more than living on your own terms. Yeah, I did what I want to do. I put myself first, and in the end, I am the winner. Frank Sinatra, number one song of all time, sung over America, embraced as their own. Do you know what Frank Sinatra's last words were to his wife before he died of heart failure? They were not the lyrics of that song. The very last thing, you can look this up, I did. The very last thing Frank Sinatra said to his wife before he died, I lost. I lost. Reminds me of what Jesus said. You can gain the whole world, but lose your very soul. I lost. Sinatra, he was married four times, had a dysfunctional relationship with the children. By his own words, he had no faith in God, and so he did it his way. And at the end of his journey, he was lost. Have you ever felt like this? If these are the songs of our culture, then we need a new song. And this is where, this is the song that we get when we turn to the one who made us. What song are you singing today? The psalmist says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. The new song comes when the power of God is revealed in our lives. When we cry out and we realize we're not alone, God is real. We don't have to be stuck, God can save. We don't have to work for our happiness. Wholeness is found in the work of Jesus. A later Psalm 103 gives us an idea of the type of song we can sing when we are known by God. I'll read it to you, just the first few verses. Psalm 103 says this. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. 
May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. This is the new song that those who belong to God can sing. This is the song of the redeemed that have been pulled up out of the pit. This new song comes when the power of God is revealed in our lives, when we turn to him for what we need and we put our trust in him. Will you do that? Will you do that? This is not a rhetorical question. Will you do that? The point of Psalm 40 and the point of our gathering today isn't to feel good because we came and did something. I went to church. Who? Check. It's to know that God can do something, God has done something, and God is planning to do something more in our lives and in history. So if today you've realized that you are in a pit of your own making, or you're in a pit caused by someone else who pushed you there, I want to say to you, don't wait any longer. Cry out to God. Your new song comes when the power of God is revealed in your life. Psalm 103. When you turn to him for what you need and when you put your trust in him. In just a few moments, we're going to celebrate with some people that have done just that. If you've never been in our building before, there's a hidden baptismal tank right there. And I'm going to have those that are going to be baptized go ahead and head downstairs right now. Baptism for us represents a dying to the old life and a being born again into the new life. It's something Jesus said to do to identify with him. Like this wedding ring, when I put it on, I said to the world, to God, to myself, to my wife, I am yours, I'm committed to you. The ring doesn't make the marriage, the commitment does. But it certainly is a powerful symbol. And so today we're going to baptize two people who have said, I have placed my faith in Jesus and I want to be baptized, as he said, to identify with him. If you have not been baptized, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus, I hope today you would. I hope that new song for you would involve you saying yes to him. I can't do it my way anymore. Oh God, I need your way. One of the members of uh, our church that's going to be baptized is actually part of our deaf church. Some of you don't know, but we have a deaf church that meets at the same time. And so some of them are going to be coming in here as well. So uh, don't, be, don't be confused on what's happening there. We're going to close our kind of walk through Psalm 40 with a song. So I'm going to have the worship team come up. And I just, as this song is sung, want you to, if you need to read Psalm 40 again, if you need to cry out to God because you're in a pit, However you need to respond to what we just heard from God's word, I encourage you to. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.